God is the priest of the Israelites. No way. A little man named Theodore Geisel said that. Heard songs. Yep. Had a feeling we were going to be talking about him. Theodore Geisel is the guy who's behind Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Anyone want to anyone wanna just give us a little intro? A little introduction? I can introduce the podcast that we run, that we do together. That we've embarked on together in this whole journey. That we co-parent. <laughs> what, what, what if? What if the Bible was really just the friends we made along the way? Uh, I'm starting well. to think it is. I'm starting <laughs> to think that you guys are my buddies, and that's about as valuable as Judaism is. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah I'm, I'm... the sad thing is, like, no one in the Bible seems like they have friends, except for uh, Jether. Jether is the only friend, renowned party guy. So yeah, yeah, and they make sure to leave him out pretty quickly it's because jethro is a model of non-toxic masculinity and they didn't they couldn't handle that they wrote themselves too strong of a character so they needed to banish yeah him. it was a trap i also knew that it would anger the fans if they killed him off so he's just got to go on his own spiritual <laughs> journey oh my god could you imagine how well, actually now i'm about to say could you imagine how obnoxious the the fanboys for the bible would be but i'm kind of like i don't have to imagine seeing them. it yeah yeah. Live from New York. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Hey, actually yes. on that note, fuck it. Uh you know, welcome to Smite Me. It's a Torah podcast. We talk about the Torah. We read each chapter each week or whatever, each episode. We try to parse out if there's anything really there. Or if it's all just an empty big box store parking lot. Yeah. Uh, one empty shopping cart of wisdom just They paved paradise and put up a parking lot. I fucking hate that song. Um <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm I'm here with my 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 co-hosts and co-creators who I'm I'm always here with. Um, well, not co-create. There's only one creator. Oh, fair enough. Um, how dare I deign to have control over my but own capital life? C? I mean, we're lowercase C, but yeah. Uh, yeah. What's up? I'm with uh, oh, talking John. about Tyler. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Tyler the Creator. What's up? I'm John Alcabest. I'm right. one of the hosts. Um, but I'm not. And I'm uh, I'm Tyler the Creator. I'm a very popular <laughs> hip hop recording artist and fashion designer, known for my preppy suburban staples. Thank you. <laughs> that was Josh Marcus, folks. He was pulling your leg, telling you that's true. Um, that he's a different person. I'm an, I'm an audio medium who it's it's really easy to pull the wool over people's eyes. It's impossible to tell. Fun note that that song that you just referenced has the line, they took all the trees and put it in a tree museum. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which wow. renowned songwriter who's uh, actually incredible as a lyricist, Joni Mitchell wrote that line. That's actually, <laughs> no, I like that. That's, if she, I, the fact that Joni Mitchell wrote that makes me think she was trying to be funny, and I'm gonna give it to her. Yeah, or she was just like in the inner sanctum of chill, and like in the tree museum. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say that even funny. the best of us have uh, have off days, and that whole song was her big no, off day. No, I'm gonna stand by that one. They cut down the trees and put them in a tree museum because it's like, oh, they're trying to be so cultured and have a museum dedicated to trees. Well, guess what? You killed the trees, buddy, and I'm the Lorax. So. <laughs> 
This is already well, getting off the rails. I would honestly, you know how like Broadway is always trying to make celebrities be on there. I would watch a Lorax with Joni Mitchell as the Lorax on Broadway. Yes, sure, make Just it happen. Sad. Is she alive? Who's to say? I think Joni Mitchell's alive. Don't don't oh don't take. She's it. probably tiny. I feel like in her old age, she <laughs> I don't seems think like she was ever that big. Well, to begin with. you know who else is tiny? The Lorax. That's true. Tiny but mighty. By the way, my um, name's Ayani Hayashi. I also. <laughs> I thought you said it at the beginning. I might have. No, he didn't. He just said he was here with his uh, co-host. Yeah. Oh wow. Whatever. Humble. I'm the one who's technically producing this show, and I'm not doing it. That's true. He's our e- he's our ep. Yeah. You know what? I'm just gonna hang up my producer hat for a second. And do you guys want to hear a fun whale fact? Yes. Oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah. Let's go. What's up? Uh, I just want you guys to take yourselves back to June of 2019 before any of this. You know, COVID anything happened and we were in the solid pandemic uh, masks, <laughs> all of that business freedom to, to, yeah. to June 19th. Maybe it was June 20th. I don't remember what the date, but it was an article that came out in The Guardian, highly unreported anywhere else, which was total genetic confirmation that narwhals and belugas like to fuck and sometimes each they, other. Yep. And sometimes they have kids. Whoa! What do they have? A medium-sized horn? Uh, no horn. Oh, but that could be because maybe that the 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 narluga they're called was <laughs> was female. Narluga, narluga, narwhal, oh. and a beluga. Wow! Um, and, and that's I only really bring it up to just say that there's love out there for everyone. <laughs> that's beautiful, man. <laughs> yeah, you can uh, you can fuck a whale. Yeah, and honestly, the narluga is a more beautiful example of love than anything we find in the torah um yeah so if you're listening to this episode that means you stuck with us for not one but two full books of torah we're at the end of exodus that's two of the five books of moses the moses books yeah but really it's called the five books of moses really the first one wasn't of moses but so we really just read the first book of moses because he was you know that's just semantics. Should we That's get true. into? We followed the Jews, yeah, on their epic road trip out of Egypt. It um, was an epic road trip. Yeah, they they lost. You know, dude, where's dude? Where's my my covenant? I don't know. Um, yeah, and now we're here. Uh, dude, so yeah, we thought we just kind of. <laughs> oh my god, uh, dude, where's the just and loving God who promised to uh, treat the stranger well? Um, <laughs> Uh, he's dead uh, welcome to smite me (laughs) (laughs) the old god can't come to the phone right now he's dead um yes okay so we thought we'd uh you know take a look back at some of the classics before we do that i realize i'm getting a little ahead of myself um ioni has been a very bad boy apparently and has done a smiteable i had a a smiteable uh deed for for all you guys and it's actually it's a it's a double whammy it's uh, two episodes ago, we talked about uh, our all-time smiteables, right? And I brought up that really horrific story of what happened to my friend, proud property owner. Um, and it, so number one, that was just a, a, a bad story and a bad time, and that was like a smiteable deed. But the big smiteable part of it was there's a much better smiteable deed that is lighthearted, which is basically just that my, my old roommates and I, uh, we lived in an apartment together. There was this really horrible place that I won't name that was like a uh, restaurant, quote-unquote, that just served the most disgusting fucking food at exorbitant prices. Um, It was well-renowned for this, but it was also the only place where you could get coffee anywhere nearby that wasn't a 7-Eleven. 
and the coffee was disgusting. And we had kind of gotten into a habit that when we would come back hammered from wherever we were coming back from, we would piss on the door. Sure. Um, all, th- oh all three of just us. Just harassing a local business. Yeah, I mean, they... Piss their own bad coffee back on their door, sure. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, and, like, we would do this. Everyone did it. It was a rite of passage. You know, if you were hanging Every- out with us... Everyone? Yeah, everyone, <laughs> yeah. If, if you were hanging out with us uh-huh. and you got hammered and we were heading back to the apartment, you had to piss on it, too. And it's just... Uh-huh. That's sort of like, you know, this is what... This is how tradition emerges. Um <laughs> It's true. And it got to the point that they even put up not one but two lights that they just kept on at all times, um, which wow. didn't stop us um, because, you know, you, you really – anyways, we did that. It went out of business. Now it's an empanada shop. I've Damn. never been there. Um, just, yeah, I could have said that. Oh, empanadas are fantastic. I feel yeah. like you kind of won. I, every day, every time I pissed on their door, I won. Josh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you should I'm go in you there. Won the, well, you won the you won the battles, every battle and the war. I yeah, think. yeah. You should go into the empanada place and be like, hey, um, I don't know if you know me, but I actually I'm the guy who like um I I pissed the. the I'm th- why you're here. I pissed the last people <laughs> away. Um, I'm kind I of just... an important fixture in the neighborhood. I'm the pee pee on this place guy. Yeah, so, and, I don't know. We all sort of have contextualized it that like it, the place was probably going to go out of business anyway. It was so mm, goddamn terrible. But nice. we well, at definitely least you, at least <laughs> at least you made it worse for them. You don't have to do the thing on your own, but you do have to fucking contribute to the cause. Solidarity forever. <laughs> so um, true. So true. That's my smileable deed. I pissed okay. on a local business until it closed. Well, Not exactly. Well, no, I mean you didn't. You didn't. <laughs> make it close but you did piss on it until it closed that's true yeah that's true actually really until i moved it closed after you pissed on it yeah to use a classic journalistic sleight of hand where you want to say cause and effect but you can't actually so you just say after because it's like you can't argue with the timeline gotcha yep you know that's true there you go that's my certain shit does happen after other shit and you just i mean that's just the way it goes tick tock on the clock after but the party don't stop until he looks like mick jagger um <laughs> okay uh yes all right well that's that's there you go you you got you everyone in who's listening right now got like a, a two for ones three for one special of just what i think of big yellow taxi narlugas <laughs> and big yellow taxi yeah. yeah that's the song that's the end of that song oh yeah um, I, I will say that 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 three-step uh journey is really i feel like if you want to know what it's like being your friend <laughs> you're just you're in the pocket right now does anyone else have anything smileable or do we want to just get in there i got something um i kind of uh mentioned in the in the text thread that i I was going to talk about this stuff but my smiteable offense is being an inflammatory asshole on the internet um once again it's probably been mine before he already knows it's your boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, you know, the, as we're recording this, the shit's getting really fucking bad in Israel and in Gaza. And I, I get, I, here's the, here's just the timeline of what I post. I, cause I didn't post anything to begin with. I didn't post anything I didn't believe in. I fucking believe in Palestinian liberation. If you're listening to that, this, you probably know that about me. Um, and so I posted some meme that was like not it was just a picture of a donkey like a donkey democrat and it said like um like my thoughts and prayers are with the israeli and palestinian people 
my 3.8 billion dollar military budget is just with the Israeli people. Like pretty pretty run of the mill political cartoon yeah. Doonesbury type shit. Yeah, pretty mm. innocuous, I would say. And yes. also just a pretty fair like representation of how oh, it just is. The truth. Yeah, just yeah. also you know if if yeah, it's not like. It's not even yeah. It's not even exactly an opinion. It's just like you drew a donkey over what people actually kind of say. Right. It's like a. It's just it's the kind of shit you see all over fucking Facebook. It's really yeah yeah. Uh, Facebook especially with some crying emojis from some some boomers. Yeah. But so I posted that, and then these two former Camp Newman. Well, I'm just really getting into it. Camp used to bring in these Mishlaha people, these Israeli. Um, these Israelis who would come and be counselors and like teach us about Israel. And, yeah, and they were like teenagers or like very they young They were in adults. their young twenties. Yeah. And so, and I, yeah. I, for a couple summers I worked with them, you know, cause I was working there. And so the funny, the funny side effect of this program that camp did not realize was that they would introduce us to people that we would get drunk with twice on days off and then argue with on Facebook for the rest of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> a lifelong engagement with Israel, just like in a, in a different way. <laughs> Oh yeah, and they'd uh, they'd be treating comment sections the same way they treat land. So, it, <laughs> well, just to say that I they came for me. I didn't po- I didn't go to their shit. This is what happened. Uh huh. You're I, an indigenous resident of your no Facebook no. Page. Yeah. That's okay. That yeah, that is the <laughs> that is the logical extension of my That's metaphor. That's the implication you're saying. I'm just yeah. Okay. No, but I posted this on my own shit, and then they came at me and were like, and they didn't come from a place of trying to have a discussion. They came from a place of like, you don't know, you're American, we're dealing with the real shit, you're just like a little baby. Yeah. And so I kind of got into it with this one woman, and she... She like I I was just posting some shit about I don't know she deflected by saying the classic like Hamas is bad which yes Hamas is bad and then I just kind of was like uh, but the IDF is bad too I don't you know just I'm not gonna fucking break it all down but she eventually instead of engaging with me just posted a picture of a child and said do you know who this is and <laughs> always a good sign in an argument when you've reached the <laughs> do you know who this is <laughs> and. As it turned out, it was a young – there's a boy who would, was an Israeli boy who was killed in um, – by a rocket. Very sad. In the recent round of I, I believe so, yes. Mm-hmm. In the pic, but the picture she sent me is just a young boy, and he's wearing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle costume. So obviously if you post a young boy in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle costume and ask, do you know who this is? I'm going to respond, I believe that's Donatello. Oh no! <laughs> so this is within the context, and that was dumb. That was a dumb, distasteful thing to say. Like I know she was, ba- like I could come be defensive and be like she was baiting me. I she was in my shit. That was a dumb, distasteful thing to say. So that's my smiteable deed is saying that that wasn't nice. But then she went and she posted this in like the camp. She like took a screenshot oh. of it and posted it in the Camp Newman twenty thirteen Facebook group, like the staff <laughs> group, and like. Uh-huh. And then she posted it on her own page, and w- then she started making comments like, "Like I don't think somebody with these kind of values should be working at Camp Newman." And I was like, "Oh, she thinks she's getting me fired from camp. That is very fun." So then, <laughs> then I just kind of started commenting on the post and being like, "Please don't fire me from 
at URJ Camp Newman, just fully tagging them. Uh-huh. Um, and wow, you're getting deep in this on the internet. I... Yeah, yeah, no. So that's... I've like never had a fight with or. I've actually I've only fought one person on the internet, but I've never taken I, multiple rounds. I'm like a one comment and done kind of. That's smart. <laughs> that's smart. I mean, I don't know. I didn't. I feel like. Well, I want to hear how this ends, but I feel like you maybe got a lot of satisfaction out of it. So who knows? No, I mean, I it, the the end is really that like I don't know. Like I've last night, like a friend of mine like texted me and told me that he like didn't he thought it was not very tasteful the way I was interacting with Israelis on the internet. And I was like, fair. And so I guess, I guess what I'm, I guess my statement here is that like, if you're listening to this and you're my friend and you may not have similar views as me, like if, if I say something that's like, just you feel as an insensitive comment, like all you can tell me and I'll, you know, I'll like take ownership and reconsider. But like, I'm not going to reconsider being an anti-Zionist who believes in a free Palestine. Like I, like these, if my jokes upset you because they're, they're actually distasteful, then fine. But if they, they just upset you because of where the place I'm coming from, like that is where I'm coming from. So like, sorry, not sorry. Right. And I feel like a lot of the debate around this sort of thing, especially in the U S like conflates, like, individual stylistic choices with like some sort of factual or moral position so it's like oh you know you didn't use the right word for this or that or like there's almost like an over argument about like tone and style versus like substance where it's sort of like i mean that who cares well not who cares but it matters less like is your joke tasteful or not than like what are you actually talking about? Well, and the, even the fact that I'm I, I'm making a joke, which like, I don't know, I'm not going to be this one of these like sensitive or like fucking, I mean, they are sensitive and they're also insensitive, like Joe Rogan types who's like, I'm, I fucking joke about everything. Like nothing's off limits to me. Like, no, the reason I joke about this shit is because like jokes are not always the most effective way of communicating, but like that's how I've chosen to like, you know, I've chosen to try to be a comedian and like I do process when I'm writing stuff and when I'm coming up with ideas, I usually process it in that way. So. Yeah. I think it also just plays into the whole kind of like what Josh was saying. Like there's a fair amount of um, what I would argue is um, just kind of like a, a jump to conclusion about whoever you're arguing with belief. Right. So if basically the idea is that if you're criticizing anything or, you know, that Israel is doing that you therefore don't care about uh, what happens to the Israeli people um, or Jews as a whole, depending if you're one of the people who likes to complete those two things. Um, then if you make a joke about anything, it me it feeds into that narrative. Right. So it's like, even though I would agree that it's kind of a distasteful joke, like that level of response is also part of. Right. That's kind of what I said when my friend texted me, I was like, yeah, I, I was, I, my comments weren't helping anyone. They were me like blowing off steam because it yeah. was fucking conflict. Not even, I'm not going to use the word conflict, but all this fucking shit just seems immovable and unending. So like, yeah, I was being a dick, but she was also coming from a really fucking cynical place and like using yeah. this child's death in bad faith to, to justify an inordinate amount of violence. <laughs> Right, and Which, to get you fired from your my from job your at job that you don't even work at 
The job that paid me $1,200 for eight weeks of work when I was 18 years old. Overnight camp. Like, just (laughs) really. 24 hours a day. Yeah. yeah. Just really one big happy family. Yes. Um, Come on the podcast. I mean, that could be a whole other episode, but man, sometimes I think back about how we sat as like wrapped, like 15 and 16 year olds listening to like war stories from our special operations soldier counselor talking about the last time Israel invaded Gaza. And we're like, Whoa, that's so cool. Wow. I, I thought a lot about that. And like, yeah, I, in some of the discussions I've had with some of the people about, about my beliefs, um, that were just kind of like, Hey, but you like know people who like went in there and I'm like, yeah. And I look at them really fucking differently than I did when I was fucking 12 years old and didn't fucking understand what anything and I was, was like, Oh cool. You're like an army guy. Like, really? Army guys are cool. Really <laughs> insidious of camp to take away call of duty from everyone. And then all they were left with is a bunch of fucking fucked up IDF stories. <laughs> like, they're just oh, standing man. in front of the counselor. Like, Oh, okay. Go left. Oh, go up on that balcony. They're <laughs> just trying to play Call of Duty through them. I don't know. I don't know. It's remember they would also do those weird like military days. Oh yeah, they did Yom oh, yes, Israel. When we do fake IDF training, <laughs> they did Yom Israel, Yom Sport. They're zero for two on me liking that shit. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. None of the, the only really good stuck lesson I got me. from Yom Israel Army training was I remember there was some sort of like you had to run across a field really fast, and somebody tripped. And then, like, no one went to help him because they were like, oh, we have to, like, get across this field really fast. And we were like, you're going to leave your brother on the ground? Like, you're not going to help him up? And then I was like, yeah, you should probably help people up. But then- <laughs> <laughs> right. No, you I also, mean, that's... I'm pretty sure you get that talk in every army, no matter which sure, country. Sure, or, like, any in. sport or anything. Yeah. Help your friends. In fact, I would be curious to know which of the army, like, which country's army, it's official policy to don't help your friend up. Yeah, leave, leave man behind. Man That's left our behind. motto. Every man left behind. Okay, um, I feel like we should. Yeah, let's dive in. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole fucking thing. Yeah. All um, right, Josh, you want to hit us with that summary, baby? Yes. Okay. So uh, we decided that there are actually two portions that we're gonna smush into one episode this week, like Reese's cup of chocolate and peanut butter deliciousness. Fun fact I learned from my mother, who is a Jewish educator, uh, the Bible does what we did too. When you read the Torah portion, that's about the like building the the ark and all of that, and then the next uh-huh. one is all about all the clothes and whatever, you read those two yeah. on the same day because even the fucking Jewish tradition understands <laughs> ah. it's fucking boring as shit. So, oh, uh, that is the, very vindicating. <laughs> we're, the, we're the wisest sages in the land. Good job, guys. We fucking go, we, we fit we right in it. there. We don't even fucking mean to. Yeah. Wow, big time yeshiva dons. That's us. Um, if you don't mind, Ioni, putting some sort of explosion and like thunder crack after I'll, I say that, that I'll, would be great. I'll go ham on um, all the y'all, not the post. Please do. Um, okay, so yeah, basically, there are two portions left. Uh, we're at the end of Exodus, uh, where we last left off. The Jews were making golden, like Moses was gone for a while up on the mountain, talking to God, getting the commandments. Jews got bored and we're like, what happened to that Moses guy? I thought he was the one. I guess let's just melt down all the gold we have into a cow and start worshiping it instead for no reason. Um, And then Moses saw and God saw and they both got really mad and they killed a bunch of people who they thought were sinners uh, and then laid out a bunch of rules. Oh, am I going too far back? No, that's fine. That's where we were. Okay. Okay. Um, It's also the the latest thing that's happened in the story. Yeah, it is like the latest like (laughs) plot point. Yeah, so anyway, like, the Jews are being unfaithful for a second. God and Moses 
uh, commanded the rest of the Jews to kill all the bad ones. Uh, and then for the leftover ones, God's like, okay, here's a bunch of different rules about like how you're going to celebrate me. You're going to build a special tent with a special meeting place inside with a special altar with special oil and you're going to wear special clothes. And it's like a million very specific instructions about that. And then these two portions are basically just the people following all the instructions. And rather than just saying they did what God said, it just re retells them basically word for word. There's not a lot of really interesting stuff. Uh, the first of the two is called um, Vayakel, which means and he assembled, like they put the shit together. Nice. Um, the only kind of funny thing it talks about is it talks about how there's uh, the, like the Jews were doing a great job at doing a free will offering that God commanded them to do in the same sentence, which I feel like if you want to understand what uh, Bible stuff is all about, that's a good one where it's like, God commanded them to believe in their hearts that they wanted to do this. It's also just and, classic, like Jewish guilt shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a twisted baby. Um, and then, uh, and then there's, there's like another part. So after it's like, God commanded them to do this thing and they did it out of their free will. And then it talks about how they were so enthusiastic that God was like, whoa, whoa, you're doing too much. Like you don't have to keep making crafts. You don't have to keep bringing me gold. Like everyone could just stop now. Um, and then uh, that's kind of it. Oh, it talks about like one of the features that, you know, maybe doesn't get talked enough, talked about that much when people think about Judaism, but it like really goes into kind of graphic detail about the animal sacrifice. And it's like, yeah, there are scrapers, there are flesh hooks. It's kind of just like a little saw horror movie moment. When you said um, scraper, my mind immediately scraper. went to like the E40, yeah, the yeah. E40 <laughs> <and> scraper. <Ooh. laughs> yeah, um, that's what I would okay, say so if that's... I had to scrape a if I had to scrape a dead animal. I'd go ooh. Yeah, E40 ooh. is short for Ezekiel. <laughs> um, okay, and then the second of these two portions is called Pekude, which is um, literally just means amounts of, which is if there's a more Jewish uh, heading for a chapter with this just literally accounting, I. Uh, you'll you'll have to let me know um it counts up all the just like how much it all costs to put this all together it's a lot of shekels um it mentions that there's a census of the jews and there are like hundreds of thousands of them um just to give a sense of how many people we're working with um it's kind of like it's both an anti-climax and not it's sort of just like the jews have been saved from egypt they get all these rules about like how to be Jews. And then they like build this big splendid box to like talk to God inside of. Big and splendid then ends, box. And then, yeah. And then it just ends with them. They've built it. It's like really gold coated. Um, and it talks about how uh, they kind of like when God's in it, there's this like cloud that like burps fire around it. And then they wait until the cloud leaves to then like go carry on their way. And then this is basically setting them up like now they're like on the road to coming back to Israel where God has promised to uh, basically kill everyone ahead of them, but do it slowly, like little by little. Um, and then also is like, and also tear down all their altars and gods and religions because it's all yours. You're the best. Um, and that's kind of where, where we end. I feel like I got the sense of like, I felt like this was like the trophy, the trophy case portion where it was just like here's all our achievements we have all this gold now we're gonna like build this sick fucking room you know and then we're gonna repeat our success and like win another championship yeah it's it's almost like a pitch it's yeah like, here's I, my resume here's my deal and then this is if you invest a yeah. hundred thousand dollars into me we'll get you another uh -huh. fucking gold menorah um and so
So I only have two more things to say because there's not a whole lot more to more to these portions really that we haven't already covered. The one thing is I looked up some videos. There's like some kind of interesting high res, like 3D videos about what people think this thing looks like. Um, and it's kind of funny because like you're reading about it, it sounds really grand, but at the end of the day, it is kind of just like a room with like gold columns with some like linen tarps over it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's a tent. It's a fancy yeah, it's tent. Like a, it's like a fancy, a very fancy tent. Yeah. Um, and another thing is uh, there are a lot of these archaeological digs in this city in Israel called Shiloh where people think it actually was. Um, and they're kind of these controversial things because they're both led by these people who are like really serious archaeologists, but also like really serious religious Christians who are like, the Bible told us to dig here, so we're digging here, and now we're finding all this stuff. Um, and like surprise, surprise, uh, archaeology in Israel is not apolitical. Um, the Israeli army has its own archaeology wing that does stuff in the West Bank, which it is uh, occupied, and you know the UN doesn't consider that within international law. Um, and people are saying that, or, or they've been accused basically of like, not allowing Palestinian academics to do the same kind of work. And in a way they're sort of like establishing a kind of Jewish historical record on a series of contested land as a way to like further Jewish identity uh, to the point where they're literally like digging underneath houses in East Jerusalem and like playgrounds with like cracks or things. And like a playground like fell into the ground um, in pursuit of basically like Jewish archeological priorities. Um, and they've said that basically like they should be the ones to do it to stop people from looting um, when depending on your definitions they may be the ones who are you know looting? taking artifacts like they're like oh well we have to we have to have the government be doing this and the Israeli government be doing this because if we kind of left it out of our hands like looters would be like messing with family, historical sites someone running out of fucking Walmart with a flat screen TV and all of Abraham's bones <laughs> look I, don't, I mean there's a lot of history baby, let's there. go and like definitely both Israelis and Palestinians use archaeology and like historical claims to bolster their political agendas. But it's worth noting that in the territory that they're occupying, they're also occupying a like historical intellectual territory too. Yeah, of course power. they are. Because that's mean, the yeah. whole name of the fucking game. You can't, yeah, you don't, that's not a kind of off offensive that has a single prong. Um, sure it's like a it involves cultural dimensions but anyway they haven't found the covenant uh but people think it's in the city because it's not real <laughs> the fucking lying fake news media <laughs> looking for the covenant it's yeah i mean <laughs> just if you're gonna do that then go be a guy like in a speedo on the beach walking around with a metal detector because that's the level of dignity that you have. Don't pretend it's something higher than that. There's also what, just just looking for the covenant, you think? Is that level if of dignity? If you're gonna like go like fucking do that in land that's not yours because you think it's gonna prove some kind of point, like just go look for bottle caps on the beach and like some of people them will call you room. people will call you Sandy Dave and you'll be yeah. a hit. There's just, yeah, there's some really creepy examples of, like, they are, like, there are these places around, like, the Western Wall, for example, where they've set up these, like, Bible pavilions talking about ancient Jews that are, like, the site itself where they're setting it up is, like, a significant Muslim historical site, but they're just, like, putting in it, putting on an exhibit about the Jews on top of it. It's just, like, very... God, uh, they're such pieces of fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Very, very blatantly uh, exercising their power. 
Yup. Yeah. We're still supposed to act like tiny little babies. Yeah. So I mean, that's all I have to say about this one. I don't know what you guys. What do you guys think about this as an ending to the greatest? So I'm, well, to the to the to the biggest book of the, or like the the most known book of the Torah, most, most classic stories. Yeah, iconic. I got yeah. a, a couple thoughts. Um, but they're mostly not very deep. Um, the first one being that this is the third time we've gone over this set of rules. So I enjoy the fact <laughs> that the Bible knows the rule of threes. Um, mm, true. It's how you do a lot of things in the creative space. Um, I also thought it was insane how they entrust the weaving, the woodworking, the masonry, the metalworking, oh. all to <laughs> yeah. one person when those are yeah, all. Yeah, they're like, this dude is special. <laughs> He's like the fucking Virgil Abloh. He's like a, a multi hyphenate. <laughs> yeah. And I, I did imagine a guy just like getting his like little godly assignment and then just being like, yeah, I, I know how to I know how to work with wood. Yeah, I've done some stone work before. Uh, metal, that's not the same. Uh, yeah. Uh, weaving. No, never done that before. Is that the one with the yeah. threads? And they're just like, shut the fuck up and do what God says. We killed all the other people mm-hmm. who knew how to the do these things. <laughs> cloud. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's like when a company like fucking lays off the dishwasher and then you fucking have to be the busboy and the dishwasher now for the same pay. <laughs> You're our new head of marketing. Right. We killed the old one because he was <laughs> Because we sinner. really believe in you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. The other thing is I really enjoyed uh not not by enjoy I use that word sarcastically, but there the level of specificity in this chapter is so intense that uh number one, it's hilarious that they point out how much everything costs because you yeah. know someone after while they were like reading the first part of this chapter, they said everything, and someone was like, "Big deal!" Uh-huh. I was like, "Oh no, let me tell you how much this is." I mean, yeah. Once again, it it would appear that it is all about the Benjamins, but <laughs> wow, you um, sound like uh, Ilhan Omar. Speaking of people mistaking, uh, you know, form for <laughs> form for substance. Yeah, me or Ilhan. No, when and everyone was like, oh, you know, she criticized Israeli oh, military aid by saying it's all about the Benjamin. She's like, oh, she must have been saying all Jews are like hook-nosed blood drinkers who control the world economy. And I was like, oh, was she now? Um, <laughs> no, she was literally just quoting the P. Diddy song. That's true. Yeah, she's a huge bad boy fan. I also thought it was funny that they, when they're telling you how they built the menorah, they say it was equal on each ends, three prongs on one side and three prongs on the other. And I was like, I do kind of want to see the like asymmetrical Eldritch menorah where uh-huh. there's like the same number of branches, but some of them are growing out of each other. And Yeah. That sounds kind of cool. I mean, yeah. I'm sure now, you know, people make all sorts of like people design all sorts of cool, fucked up, twisted menorahs. <laughs> the doctors hate this menorah. <laughs> Dildo menorah. It's out there. Come on, grow up. (laughs) Grow up. Also, if anyone more creative than me wants to invent an offshoot of Judaism that's just like Eldritch Judaism. What's Eldritch? Eldritch is like that, like H.P. Lovecraft, very creepy, like everything is sort of about the spiritual (laughs) world is completely incomprehensible. So when you experience it, you start to go insane. Oh, Um, whoa. And so you're saying you want a menorah that looks like that, how that... That aesthetic, what yeah. That means. You want a menorah yeah. that ruins your life? Yeah, like that <laughs> when you this, but that would be way more like crazy. It's like power. sublime horror, but just a candle holder. Yeah, yeah. 
It's so that when you look That's at it, it, basically, you're like, you start to sort of lose your grip on reality. Oh, my God. Wow. Uh, that's a challenge for all you design students out there. Send me stuff. Send me I know stuff. you're all listening. Yes. You know who I was thinking about who we haven't heard much of is uh, Miriam, you know? Yep. It talks about her as like the, pro- they call her the prophetess when the Jews are walking through the Red Sea. I think we're going to get more Miriam, get more but it later. is weird mm. that we haven't gotten shit from her yet, really. But it was like... Or she just was like, it was like in a musical and the motions were high and she like busted out into her big song. And then it was kind of like, well, but it's also like maybe that kind of reflects well or not reflects well, but it's like we were brought up thinking that Miriam was a big deal because they felt guilty about how this book is about women. And so they were like, Miriam, she's liberated and it's great. And then when we actually read the book, she's like barely there because they're like, and Miriam was there once. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like nice that they didn't put her in a trunk like Dina, I guess. But yeah, yeah. She broke the wooden ceiling of the trunk that Dina was put inside of. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I'm sure that happened in like the 60s. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of like the start of like the URJ kind of. Uh um, And we ain't talking BC. No. Also, where the ladies at? This note's for you, Josh, because I know (laughs) you've brought up the fucking way that they decided to write everything. There's a segment uh, where they're talking about the dumb little bells they put on on Aaron's fucking robe, where it says Uh like, in the midst of pomegranates, you hang the bells and down at the bottom where there are pomegranates, the bells will be in the midst of pomegranates. And in my notes, it just says in <laughs> the midst of pro- pomegranates. Oh, just shut the fuck up already. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so, okay, Aaron has to wear a, a like, bell wherever he goes? <laughs> yeah, because you can't. In the midst of pomegranates. <laughs> so that, on the plus side, you're probably not going to get caught jacking off by Aaron. You're probably in the clear there if you're an Israelite, you know? Oh, yeah. You can hear him coming from a mile away. You have to because God might maybe get that's spooked. Like, uh, uh, I was going to say, maybe that's a primitive like surveillance technology on Aaron after he fucked up and let him make the golden calf. It's like, now you have a cowbell on you, you fucking idiot. <laughs> We're going to know what you're doing at all times. Don't mess up. Jingle, jingle. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Jingle, jingle. Give me a Pringle. <laughs> I do like the idea that, like, all right, you fucked up so bad, but we did say that you're going to be the high priest, so we can't take that well, back. Well, that's – I, like, was reading – for when we did the Golden Calf episode last week, I was reading some some rabbinical commentary, and it was basically saying that. It was saying, like – it was this, like, weird circular logic of – that God couldn't do really punish Aaron that much because he was already the special high priest. And so if he was to like smite Aaron like super hard, it would like, it would denigrate the position of high priest or whatever. It's just some classic, like when whatever. the president, when the president Love does it, it's not illegal. It's like he's too important to be held accountable yep. for always, what he's done with his power. Always works out perfectly. Yeah. It's all... <laughs> yes. But then again, Aaron did nothing wrong, and the calf was cool, so. That's true. Why can't they just compromise and just say, like, hey, can we keep the cow, but it's not God anymore? (laughs) (laughs) That's what they should do. Totally. That's all you have to do. Sorry about that. We thought you died. Uh, We like the cow. We worked really hard on it. Please don't commit a genocide. How about it's the mascot? It's like the Israelite cow. Go team. No, that's what the menorah is. Yeah. Mm. yeah, but the menorah can't moo. <laughs> You're right, it can't. 
Moo. Moo. Um, also, just a small turn that came up that I enjoyed. They refer to the sacrifice, the sacrificial bread that you sacrifice as showbread. Um, <laughs> showbread is showbread. Which There's no bread like go. showbread. <laughs> which made me think two things. Which was like, oh, the money I make is technically showbread. Um, and That's number, fun. yeah. And number two, I just like the idea that they were basically like you sac, you intentionally make like inedible bread for the sacrifice that'll like burn better because it's like, look, it's showbread. Like no one's gonna eat this. It's just for show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so like the idea of like a, a stage parent backstage like getting. Brad's like, okay, you're gonna go on in three. <laughs> <laughs> like dressing it up in like a little outfit. <laughs> like somebody somebody taking their bread on auditions. Yeah. <laughs> Just getting in the car with their bread afterwards. Well, like, what get... the fuck was that? You you didn't get the part. <laughs> you clearly didn't get the part, I Brad. Mean, how how else do you get the food for those food commercials? You gotta audition the pancakes, right. baby. Fun fact: uh, there's all kinds of like crazy. We, uh, uh, you know what? You're right. I'm not gonna shit. give you another. No, fun weird. Fact. Are you talking about weird shit with the food commercials? How like the ice, the vanilla ice cream is actually mashed potatoes and and all that jazz. Well, yeah, stuff like that. Which is just to say, for people who don't work in like production and media. Everything's a fucking lie. That's the whole point of it. Everything has to be larger than life. So when you see the pancakes and you're like, God damn, my pancakes never look good like that. It's because they're pouring motor oil on it because the motor oil isn't as dense as maple syrup. So it doesn't sink into it. And that's just Whoa. fucking life, man. So put motor yeah. oil on your pancakes. Don't man. do that. Well, you know what? Do whatever Drink motor you oil. <laughs> Smite me told me. Yeah. <laughs> was that supposed to be like easy taught me it was <laughs> i don't know it's supposed to be something um yeah well should know. we i mean i guess we kind of unless anyone has any last specific thoughts on this chapter what we were thinking we could do next is kind of just go through exodus chapter by chapter and give our thoughts now that we have the context of the whole thing oh i would just put in my vote to fucking throw this these two chapters in the fucking trash can oh, oh yeah, sure. trash them. Yeah. yeah yeah barely even felt like i needed to say it because it feels like a default yeah. setting at this point yes. i mean also I, yes. i'm not gonna the only lie i'll keep is the fact they keep talking about dolphin skins dolphin skins return yeah. very fun very luxury very tasteful i believe so. that's what rupert murdoch's suit is made out of <laughs> dolphin, dolphin skin, skin yeah, yeah so like the literal suit of skin he walks into. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Eldritch Horrors. Yeah. No, that guy. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just kidding. Unless, you know, he's my boss someday. I hope not. Kind of yeah, hard I to avoid it. it in your profession. No, it is likely that he will be your boss someday. It is unlikely that he will ever know who you are. It's all right. It's okay. Rupert Murdoch will be your boss someday. <laughs> Inspiring. Thank wow. you so much. We have so much yeah. to, to live for. Live for. Yes, it's true. Rupert. <laughs> okay. Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> okay. Let's let's run it back to the beginning. Listen to this sound. That's the sound of us. That's me opening my Torah scroll. <laughs> it's probably going to come through great on the recording. <laughs> on my cell phone. Okay. Let's run it back. Very beginning of this thing. It's, you know, generations pass and we see a new god who didn't know Moses. Fuck. Shit. <laughs> new, a, a new pharaoh who didn't Damn. know. <laughs> Damn, Daniel. <laughs> Damn, Jonathan. This is a train wreck. We get a new 
Pharaoh who did not know Joseph, and he enslaves the Israelites. Are they even Israelites yet? The Jews, the you mm. know, the folks. And he should I do we even need to summarize it? You know, first chapter, we Jews we are meet, back. Jews are back. Back in the slammer. They try to kill all the little baby boys, but Moses survives, float him down the river. Um, Pharaoh's daughter finds him. He grows up with Pharaoh, sees some uh, slave driver killing, fucking whipping somebody, kills the slave driver. Very cool. Probably the coolest thing anyone does in this whole chapter. The last good thing he does. Runs away and uh, hangs out with Jethro, meets a wife, then comes back. Um, I guess that's mostly... That's where we could be. That's where we began. That's where the whole thing started. Um, we get some plagues after that. Well, I guess I kind of. I guess I am interested in discussing the moment of Moses killing the slave driver. Now that we have mm-hmm. the context of that not being the standard, you know what I mean? Like, like it was this really cool moment of justice. It felt like, but then that doesn't really track throughout sure. like, well, it's kind of the last time the jews are the underdog yeah in a way in a big way yeah because it's sort of like after that they essentially have the god nuke on their side at all times um which wields its, i don't even want to say they wield it which wields itself with reckless abandon yeah yeah or even just the threat of it it's like I mean, that's why I talk about it as a nuke so much, because it literally is sort of, it's like people are saying, like, we don't even want to mess with the Jews. Like, right. It's yeah. it's Mike deeper it. than it's, than like the thing itself. It, it, yeah. The it's effects like just of the existence. Yeah. Cascading effects. Yeah. The idea that, that there, that it's here and it could possibly be used is deterrence enough. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of the last time that like human, human cruelty as like a general matter is like, this is bad. We shouldn't do it. Yeah. It's this kind of honestly in the greater context of this whole book, it's a it's a blip. Um, it kind of reminds me of the way that people kind of will justify like people in positions of power who are currently doing really fucked up things by bringing up like a, a, a one thing that they did this one time and being like, so, you know, he's yeah. a good person looking at our president right now. Oh, yeah. um, uh huh. Where, but where it, I don't know, maybe that's what the Bible is doing is it's like, hey, he did this thing that was the uh, objectively good thing that he did. So now you can never fucking question what he They're ever like, did would again. Would a war criminal be a lifeguard at a black pool? <laughs> Didn't think so. <laughs> did yeah. not think so. I think in addition to like the moral clarity, it's like this part of this, of Exodus is like, the old, it's like they have way more it's just like a much better story and there are characters who like do things for reasons and i think honestly i not to not to rag on god too much you know that's kind of our thing on this but it's sort of like the more god becomes a character everyone's just so afraid that like that is the story it's like did is god happy with what we did or not happy with it but this is where people are like still doing things they have to hide from other people and like right they're interacting with other, with other humans instead of just interacting with god because god's kind of not really in the picture for for a little bit because because then later in the chapter we get another moment similar to the moment we get in noah's ark where god is like what oh no i have been neglecting my duties so like <laughs> yeah. what that leaves us with is an kind of part a section where God's not an active character, which makes things more interesting because he skews the power dynamic so much that it just flattens everything. 
It, it also yeah. just not just a power dynamic. Plot wise, he flattens everything, or it flattens everything, because because all you get left with is a singular driving force, and then plot holes. That's what happens when God shows up in the story. Okay, I guess yeah. the next thing. I mean, the burning bush. It's I. Ben, I think Ben might have said this last week that it's like it's supposed to be awesome and amazing, but it's like, hey man, you shouldn't burn a bush. Like, leave that bush alone. I think my issue with the burn whole situation with the burning bush is uh is twofold. Number one, it is supposed to be awesome and it's very weird. It's like it's like someone being on drugs, but not even like a crazy, like life changing drug trip where you like align with the universe or anything. It's like, oh, look at that. It's that's like weird. one of those drugs that's well, really intense just... and not any fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just a burning bush, it's a burning talking bush. That's true. That's gotta, gotta true. Remember. We never call it the talking bush. Which would be a miracle <laughs> in and of itself. I'm thinking like the can of beans in Wet Hot American Summer with John H. John Benjamin's voice. Yeah. <laughs> just the talking bush being like, hey, uh, Moses. No, that's not even the right. That's not, that's not like Teddy. Anyway. Um, but uh, I think the main thing that I, that kind of looking back on it, um, really kind of encapsulates a lot of like how especially the characters interact with God is that the most of the conversation is God being like, Moses, go doing, go do this thing that I tell you to do. And Moses being like, please, I really don't want to. Yeah. Please, 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 please. And it kind of makes you a little more. I generally wasn't very sympathetic to him, but I kind of am a little bit more in the grand scheme of things because, like, literally everything that's happening to him is basically because this unseen fucking force keeps cattle prodding right. him in the asshole. I mean, to his keep, the to beginning, do this. the very first thing that happens to him in his life is like this prophecy being fulfilled, right? Like, where he's being sent down this river in a basket. So it's like kind of just no free will except for the free will he exerts when he tells God to fuck off, but then he still doesn't really get to do that. So he doesn't have free will. That's kind of what bothers me about it so much is because Moses actually does have this little bit of freedom in his life. And it starts when he fucking kills the slave driver. And it goes on to when he just fucks off from Egypt and all of his quote unquote responsibilities. He never asked for gets married finds a fucking awesome father-in-law too in the process and just kind of like lives a normal life for a second. And then the book basically says like, fuck all that. You have a lot of violence to commit. Which like, right. Or you have like a holy war to wage. Yeah. I will say for a second, right at the end, I was like, wow, like I actually feel a little, I started to see, he, he, I will say this at the very least, he's a character with multiple dimensions because he, like, both kind of doesn't is like, I'm not up for it. I stutter. I don't want to do this. And then also it's kind of game and like goes along with what God says. Um, and I feel like the ultimate example of that is kind of at the end where there's the golden calf. And at first, Moses is God's freaking out. It's like, I'm going to kill all the Israelites. Moses is like, don't do it. Like, you know, you made a covenant with them. Like, you're probably overreacting. And then Moses goes out and sees them and is like, actually, no, you're reacting perfectly. Let's kill all of them. <laughs> well, I don't know. He's like, that's like at least a dimension. It's not it a was kind dimension. of a cool yeah. action movie moment. It was yeah, like. He did. He definitely entered sicko mode. <laughs> he totally <laughs> went into sicko mode. So, I don't know. I feel like Moses, at the very least, is interesting, if not admirable. Yeah. I think um, I don't think he is admirable. I don't think he's admirable either. I think I just yeah. had like a, 
oh, in the overall looking at it, I had a moment of sympathy for him because there's this time in his life, according to this story, that is like very good for him and healthy, and like we're kind of supposed to celebrate that he decided to throw that all away, right? For the <laughs> yeah, he was he was doing boundaries. He was being he, what Jethro taught him. Yeah, true. Jethro taught me. but then the the thing that also just now that i'm like going off with this thought what bothers me more is i think someone argue yeah but doesn't if he's the guy with the prophecy doesn't he have to go back to you know liberate all the israelites from egypt the answer is fucking no though there's a god in the picture yeah god should do it for sure god should do it or have aaron do it or just 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 do it, I, yeah, God. That's like my my review, just my review of like this whole, really all of the tour is just do it, God, and then in parentheses it's just like make life better for people. Yeah, and I think m- most of the time it seems like Old Testament God's not really doing either, unless 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 you are an Israelite doing exactly what God says, in which case your life maybe has improved from where it started. Oh, right. also, as I, long as you comply and be yeah. good, compliance yeah. is key. Um, mm-hmm. I express. You gotta take this up with the compliance department. <laughs> express this thought with uh, John earlier, um, and you know, if you want to pull any parallels to what's happening currently mm-hmm. as we're recording right now, um, maybe I guess. But I thought it was interesting, kind of on the retrospective, that um, more so than like the Israelite people being excessively violent it really does seem to be that like moses aaron and god are like the grand uh purveyors of violence um totally that like they just sort of like assume slash get the israelites tangled up in uh for no other reason than they can sure we don't even really know what the we don't know what the israelites think other than that they're a little skeptical about First, the kind of the promise of the religion in the first place, yeah. Like, kind of in the they're ready to party. Moses, well, yeah, like they are ready to party. They kind of don't take God's word that seriously. When Moses comes back from the burning bush, they're sort of at first like, "Ah, oh, you're just going to make life worse. Like you're stirring up trouble. Like we kind of don't buy it." Um, but we definitely don't know if they have these kind of like imperial ambitions. It's more just like God kind of like takes them out of Egypt, and I was like, "Okay, you're mine now. Here's what we're going to do." Yeah. If anything, yeah, the only thing we see is their, like, minor rebellion, or at least showing that they weren't, like, super... Wait, so I kind of have some... I have some uh, thoughts on the minor rebellion. Specific, I kind of shared this with you guys. The I, I didn't end up reading the essay, but apparently, listener, there is an essay by Sigmund Freud where he... Sigmund. Cl- Sigmund Freud, where he claims that during that period after the crossing of the Red Sea, where I mean, we're kind of jumping all around, but whatever... After they cross the Red Sea and the the Israelites are getting all mad at Moses all the time and like bickering, Freud says that they killed him, and then a new Midian Moses arose, like a just kind of a you know light skin Aunt Viv type situation. Um, <laughs> I love the uh, the audacity to just, but I guess honestly that's of, kind of what Freud. the Jewish sages do. Yeah, just to, like oh, invent. Yeah. Something. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. what I love about it, what I love about Freud is the same thing I love about stand-up comedy is that he's just a cocaine addict who shoots from the hip <laughs> and just says stuff, just has <laughs> takes. He's just yeah. a take machine. He's got something to say. <laughs> 
He's like, yeah, Cigar is like a mm-hmm. dick, and uh, they killed Moses, but then they made a new <laughs> Moses, and they made him, it made it look just like him. So, and also, I am German, and I don't know, I was doing the other accent before, but this is more accurate. I'm Sigmund Freud. <laughs> Um, okay, so That's Moses your is German accent. Yes. <laughs> Have you ever met anyone from Germany? Yes, the governor. <laughs> He's Austrian. All right, fine. We'll do Austrian. Um, okay. okay, so Moses sees the bush, the talking bush, the talking slash burning bush, LLC. Thank and then he comes back and is like, hey, Juice, I'm going to save you all now. And they're kind of like, ooh, like. The guy who killed the slave driver's I bag. I really love the Jewish energy at the very beginning of this book. Uh, because it's not a unique to... to it, there's a lot of people just telling Moses to be like, can you just shut up? Like, you're... Like, we, we all we want to do at this point is, is get dinner at the end of the day. Okay? Yeah. And you're kind of fucking that up. And he's just like, no, no, no. God says that we're going to go to the promised land. Oh, what if that's we 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 spent all this time discussing what we think Moses's um, speech impediment was? You know, whether it's a lisp or stutter. What if he's just going through puberty and he doesn't want to be talking to Pharaoh? And then all of a sudden, it cracks. Oh my god! <laughs> he just is like oily, pimply. Just his his hands are too big for his head. Just oh like, yeah. Just he's like really he's like a beard, but only on the bottom of his neck, but he won't shave it. Uh huh. It would mean admitting that time's going by, and you know. he, yeah, he he gets up to talk to Pharaoh, and he's uh, just crossing his legs really, really hard. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, wow, he doesn't know what it is, and the tunics make it even more obvious. Um, <laughs> Our bodies, he, ourselves. Yes, so true. I feel like the next portion, once once it becomes clear that Moses is like in liberator mode, I feel like really the only defining thing I would come back on is the fact that like. At multiple instances, God is like, "Okay, I'm gonna free, I'm gonna free the Jews from bondage, but I'm also gonna make it so that Pharaoh doesn't want to do that just because I can, and then I'm gonna punish Pharaoh for thinking that way by killing tons of people, and it just happens in various ways, like over and over and over again throughout the twelve plagues. It's just evil, but also how world leaders typically do operate. So like." Kudos yeah. for accuracy. In a weird, yeah, I was gonna say in a weird yeah, way, totally. it's, it's very. Um, I when I was reading it and we were going over it, like I don't think I really connected much to it. But when you think about it in that lens, it is. I don't. I don't think that's what they were going for. But that is what people who are put into positions of power do, which is they wield it um, contradictorily. The 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 we're the wield it hypocritically and with uh without caution and with like an eye to like showmanship like yeah. i'm uh i'm currently listening to season two of the blowback podcast um whose hosts we uh you know maybe or maybe might not have on this podcast someday um and <laughs> they they talk about like when the u.s was like well in its continued attempts basically to overthrow the regime in cuba it's like done all sorts of things where it'll like it'll like fake a defector from cuba who then, yeah. you know, they'll like fake an event to justify another thing. Oh, yeah. Which is like kind of what God is doing here. It's like faking 
faking Egyptian resistance to freeing the slaves to justify killing the Egyptians then, to free the slaves. Because it also sounds like after the third plague, they're done. They're yeah. like, hey, Pharaoh, you really got to tell him to fucking get the fuck out of here because, you know, you're, their magic is more powerful than ours for whatever fucking reason. Yeah. I would say and again, what, if it's like, if you can go in people's mind, just make Pharaoh not want slavery and then just be done with it. Or just force field. I've said this, I'll say this every episode. Force field, <laughs> let the Jews go. When Pharaoh and his guys try to go get them, they can't because there's a big force field. Yeah. But yeah, I, I also wanted to add that like, it's even more insidious than just like him creating a fake, like faking something to then False flag. <laughs> well, it is... But it's not just him faking something to then go do his agenda. It's like him creating a real problem, which is also what yeah. I feel like world leaders do a lot is like they don't just fake something. They like put actors into into things. those. Yeah. I mean, that's what the Gulf of Tonkin yeah. was, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like they'll like make concrete things happen that impact people negatively on the ground for no reason but to justify some other thing. That usually that, results yeah. in a fuck ton more of violence. Um, yeah, it's really it's really quite grim. Yeah, um, I guess. So yeah, after the Gulf of Tonkin happens in Egypt, uh, they flee through the Red Sea that splits open before them. I just I would like to ask all the fucking alien scholars that I've read or whatever that if God is really an like an alien species that like keeps visiting us or whatever like when are we gonna get the fucking tools to make sure they never come back again these are not fun aliens <laughs> when are we gonna create the technology to banish God once and for all wow. for fucking Yo, real. speaking of going that hard I feel like I maybe have talked about this before but have you guys ever read about read the golden compass books oh yeah oh there's they those books they go hard go on killing God. Crazy hard. They fully well. I don't. Know, they're just like God's real in the book in like a physical way, and people like fully try and kill God. That's um, great. I'm for that. Yeah, and it's like a children. It's like a semi children's fantasy book. I'm in the. I'm finishing up the first book of Dune right now, and there's a lot of interesting, uh, not really like God par- like p- parallels, but a lot in terms of like who leader religious leaders are and like what uh-huh. that really means. Um, and I think the thesis of the book is that basically like um, is essentially that if you want religious leaders, that's fine. It will always end in violence. And sometimes it'll be so extreme that it's incomprehensible to the human brain. Um, I mean, which I agree I mean, with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. OK. Is there anything there we care about? Uh, the big splitsy witsy. No, it's like it's, it's it's so lame in comparison to what it's supposed to be. I mean, it's like a it's like a grand moment. It would be cool like, if that happened. Come on, man. Yeah. If that happened you in real come life. Come on, man. Come on, I mean, Jack. Yeah, that it would be. I'd probably fucking shit my pants, but I don't know. It's all a constructed moment. Sure. It's not. It's true. It's not yeah. again because that's the whole problem with this whole fucking Passover Exodus story, right? Is it would be great. It would be a much better story if Pharaoh was just a fucking dickhead. If the Egyptians were just incredibly hellbent on having fucking Israelite slaves and pursued them to the ends of the earth even when after they said they could leave. The problem is that didn't actually happen according to the yeah. story. Yeah, and like and not only that, but like in the midst of just like the wholesale slaughter of the Egyptian people for no reason, 
we're also then just getting the rules about how to celebrate like one of the most important Jewish holidays and like, and here's how you mark this glorious day, Passover. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just like very disturbing. I feel like honestly, I would almost break Exodus into two halves, which is like the disturbing half and then like the boring slash sad half. <laughs> Cause it's like, we, we kill our way into freedom and then we get a bunch of boring rules about how to celebrate it. And it's kind of, but a- then there's, there's kind of killing spliced into that. Yeah. Like yeah. I still, I'm still pretty hung up on all of the time. I mean, we already talked about this. All of the times when God explicitly says, "Like there will be peoples that are there when we, I, you get to the place I'm promising you, we're gonna kill them because they have the wrong beliefs." It's just like right there, and it, it's just yeah, it's just maddening. It's just like it's so fucking. It's disturbing, and it's also it's one of those things that um, I think. In cap, not encapsulates, but I think it has a lot to do like why I personally found myself drifting away from like the Jewish organizations. Um, there's a lot of different reasons that also have to do with like race and, and things like that. But I think one of the, the big ones was the like the way that people who were uh kind of in positions of leadership and, and teaching us would try to get around this very uh, blatant and non-explicit language about what this story is about and about how people interpret it. Um, Right, because people interpret it, they they take it at face value, and what that face value is is go kick people out of their fucking homes if you think God promised it to you. I mean, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. No, I mean, it's... No, I don't, that's the thing is I feel like you either the only two ways to sit with it are almost to like really take it literally, which is what a lot of people do and are currently doing and using to justify like this land is mine. Or you like call yourself kind of like a progressive Jew and like ignore the like that the foundational story is like you're the chosen people. Other people are bad. You're going to kill them because you're bad and you're going to live where they used to live. Yeah. And if you don't, God will kill you. Yeah, and it's like there's not even really an interpretation. Yeah, of there's that. no reading like between the lines. Like it doesn't exist. Which at that point, it's like why? Or like, to me, the only part of Judaism that I still like hold on to is literally just like knowing that I am a descendant of it. So it's like, you know, it's like I. My only connection is like familial, I guess. Yeah, like like I'm part of a group of people who were the sons and daughters of another group of people and so on and so on. But it's like, it's not like this stuff. Like, I don't, I don't want this stuff. I just like, you know, <laughs> I, in a weird way, it sounds like you kind of f- would fit in with like the character of the Israelite people who are just kind of, they're <laughs> like long for the ride. Yeah. yeah, They're on board for getting, for not being slaves anymore. And then they get fucking cut this raw deal. Well, I guess the other parallel that is too, is like stark to me is that it's, it's it like basically is directly saying like God brought the people out of Egypt, out of slavery. And then their liberation was explicitly at the expense of other peoples. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And also like God doesn't like multiculturalism. No. Pretty much explicitly, it's like, don't, the reason I'm kicking these people out is so you don't, like, mingle with them and start to, you know, respect their beliefs. Yeah. And that sounds a bit like, oh, I'm being, like, jokey-jokey. That's essentially what they say. It's like, they might lead you astray with their ideas if you interacted with them. 
No, it's it's the idea that in order for us to basically make a claim to this this area, part of what's required of that is the complete cultural erasure of anyone who's been there before. Yeah, and again, explicitly, it's like destroy yeah. their altars, destroy their temples, pull down their statues, so that you won't be tempted because it's their yes. fucking problem. And it's for like so you won't be thing. tempted basically to like human nature like connect with the people. In and your why midst. would you be tempted unless the idols were cool? And sexy had probably. big cans, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, and then there's like kind of the wandering period. It's like Jews complaining and Moses being like, "Wow, you sure do complain a lot." And then he kind of sets up like little rules and like he holds court. Delegates. There's the thing where he's like sitting yeah. and everyone comes to him with their problems, and then Jethro's like, "You got to delegate, you idiot." <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I'm out. Yeah, this is, like, the portion where it's kind of more, like, we're transitioning away from, like, the origin story to, like, how do you set up a society? And it's, like, you yes. can't just have one guy who you complain to is one good rule. I mean, it is – it's all of – this whole second part of Exodus really is how do you set up a society. Um, and in a weird way, some parts of that are very interesting in terms of, like um, – I would I would argue that that chapter that you weren't here for, uh, the one where it's basically a big list of rules. Yeah, I think yeah, that yeah, that yeah. chapter overall should clue you in that maybe this isn't like the best book to, uh, necessarily like try to adjust your modern like life and beliefs and the things that confront you currently. It's not maybe necessarily the best manual for that because it's understandably most focused on like slavery and what to do when animals be animals. It's like slavery animals and like how to either sell your children and mostly daughters into slavery or into marriage. Yeah. It's like but but in a way so that's just it's like kind of like sad to say but that's kind of like business. That's like old yeah. ancient history that's business. Just business. It's like yeah, no, it's like it's just like laying out like business law, basically. Because in a and way, so they like, knew yeah. what would what like to them what mattered. Not sure, in, not like even in like kinda... a super negative way, but in the sense of like they they know that like the just... mass majority of people aren't really concerned with big ideas about who God is and who's the chosen people and whatever. They need someone who, when their fucking neighbor's ox kills their ox, they need someone to be like, "Hey, I feel like I've been wronged here. Am I right in yeah. thinking that?" Yeah, I think the only like the only parts of that that are just like non mundane almost because it's like yeah okay it's like if you're setting out some rules it's like you gotta decide what to do with the oxes and the property or whatever there's the portion that i think a lot of uh more liberal jews really point to as like a source of moral authority about like welcoming in the stranger and like treating them well because it's like we were strangers in the land of egypt yeah but even that is like again just like undermined by what we were just talking about where it's like be kind to the stranger other than the people whose land you're about to be a stranger in who uh, will be annihilated <laughs> right it's like yeah, it's almost like once you annihilate these people and take over control and then strangers yeah. come to your house, once you are in control, then be nice to the uh -huh. stranger. But it's like very predicated on – yeah, we kind of mentioned yeah, that last and, week. And even yeah. like the – and if you really want it to be like, well, you know, the Jews have the historic – or have the you know biblical historical right to Israel, but you know – so if that if you follow that part of the Bible, you would also think that the state of Israel would have to be kind to the people who they would consider strangers in their right. land. Well, but that's be their neighbors. But they also kind of live in like a 
you know, like a legal, but that's like a, like a legal form of apartheid, basically, where yeah. it's like you can't move, you can't buy property, you can't trade. Wait, if you I can't can get medical supplies, that's what I think. Yeah. That's what I see liberal Zionism as is like be kind to the stranger, you know, it's like be kind to these people, like be as kind you as you can to these people who are second class citizens, but like ultimately they still have to be that because otherwise. And that's been this whole, mm -hmm. one of the most frustrating parts of this whole thing is because we kind of alluded to it before and we're, we've, we've been kind of weaving in and out of it. But I think one of the things that's so goddamn frustrating about this whole situation is we, when we were younger, we would have these people who were in like that operation in 2014 um, and then there was one before that too, because that was honestly like after, yeah, 06, right? So yeah. this is like the third time tensions have really flared up in our like formative years. You know what I mean? In, in like recent memory that we, that we can pull back on and remember things about, right? And it doesn't seem like anything has fucking changed. Because and that's part of the thing is they say, oh yeah, we you know it's the the what you're saying is we have to be kind to them and we have to do these whole things or the other side of it which is we have to bomb the fucking shit out of these Palestinian people or whatever and guess what none of the situation has changed fucking at all. Yeah, or the only thing that's like factually changed is like Israel's expanded its footprint and yeah. tightened its grip basically. Yeah, so things have yeah. Th th so the balance of what was happening is even more skewed now. But yeah, and I think what what I've been kind of wrestling with, which I just think is kind of like a dimension I never really saw coming when we started this podcast is like a lot of the people who defend against criticisms or who who want to who want to criticize Israel but not criticize Jews cuz you know people are like, "Oh, it's like you can't criticize Israel, that's being anti-Semitic." But there are a lot of other people who'd say, "Oh, sure. I mean, you can criticize what Israel's doing." well, not going after this religion, this religion's great. But what I'm finding a hard time with is like, you know, we're hitting on parts of it, like built into the religion is this kind of like really powerful psychic distance that wants to put between you and other human beings, especially when it comes to power and occupying land. And so I do feel like you kind of do have to engage with the fact that this is what the religion is telling you to do. Yeah, that's something I've been thinking about is like, maybe the Zionists can have this one. Maybe it's for them. Because... I don't know. It's not giving me a lot. So yeah, I mean, or it's like you can pick and choose the parts, other parts that you find meaningful and like morally persuasive. But it's like this is like the founding story is telling you to like, go out there and go out there and like, occupy. Yeah. And I think. And, and like I said, it kind of gets to the to, to that. It's it's dark, right? It's because because it kind of plays in both ways, right? Is it's fine if you don't want to like, take that bit of the Bible and apply it to how you practice your like more progressive or, or more liberal Judaism or whatever you want to call it. Like that's fine. Right. But you also do the thing where you turn away from the fact that like, there's a reason that all of these fucking crazy fucking fascists are making this claim. And it's part of what you're saying is ultimately a good thing, even though there's some weird icky parts about it. And you don't get to just fucking turn your head to that. You know, you don't just get yeah. to kind of be yes, like, sir. well, I don't do this. Therefore, to me, it's minor. Therefore, 
to everyone else it's minor. Therefore, if you attack these other people, you're also attacking me because it could be minor to them too. It doesn't fucking work that it's way. So you have to actually fucking declare your opposition to something because if you don't, it's implied within the text itself sure. that you're compliant. Yeah, you do have to like you have to reckon with the fact that this is a religion and you have to either say like what is in the religion counts and is real or does not count and right. is not real. It, it reminds but, like, me most of... people kind of like won't go there. It reminds me of post-Trump, like after Trump gets elected, people being like, this is not who we are as Americans. And it's like, are you sure, buddy? You sure about that? I think yeah, it might like be it who did, we are as Americans. Uh, it did happen. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. also My reminds own, me of yeah. like, like this is kind of like a, di- a different thing, but there's like the, the in the realm of like, we'll just take like a, a, a different issue, but in the realm of like um, gay marriage and stuff like that, and just like not only straight heteronormative marriage, there were like... The, there were priests who were like, nope, God says it's wrong and fuck all those people. There were priests who were like, nope, love's love. Like, I'm a Christian. I got taught that love's love and I don't give a shit about what the book says. Um, and then there were the people who were like, yeah, I don't really have a problem with them, but the book kind of technically says that it's wrong. And like, there's a huge fucking difference between those, the second and third one of those people, you know? Because mm-hmm. they're, they're, it's, a, it's a bigger fucking deal for the priest or the fucking pastor or whatever, whatever to be like, I understand that it's in the fucking book and I don't care, you know, to mm-hmm. make yeah. that ass- assertment of like, yeah. I might base my morals off of this, but at the end of the day, like this is a human choice that I'm going to make and I'm going to stand for this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I guess I don't want it to sound like I'm like shitting on people who use religion as a source of moral authority. Cause I think it, like it has inspired a lot of people to do good things. Um, you know, foremost among them being the civil rights movement but like i think at the very least you have to acknowledge that you're just kind of saying it means a different thing now or like you're saying this is what it means to me yeah but you just but you and you can you can do that and it's okay but like i feel like you should be honest being like this thing has evolved to mean something else and like this is what it means now yeah i i i agree with and you should just be like clear-eyed about that in the same way that, like, some people are like, it kind of doesn't matter what the Constitution says, like, you know, the right to an abortion is a good thing, even though there's not, you know, like, the abortion amendment. So, like, let's just do it. Yeah. And you, and if you want to do that, you should be okay with it mm-hmm. and admit it. But but then you do have to admit that, like, kind of the, the words matter less than just, like, the what, what you want. The vibes, yeah. 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 Which yeah. sometimes you got to do. They're like institutions are old and shit changes slowly. So like sometimes you got to like decide to do different things, even though the like the foundations are like stuck in some other thing. Also, if you're waiting for a, any kind of power structure to make the move f- first before anything yeah, right. changes, you're you're a prisoner of that system. Totally. Um, and oftentimes an unwilling or sometimes willing participate in it. Yeah. Uh, when systems don't fucking work, change them. Yeah, right. Yep, demand that they change. Don't be complacent. Or just act out the change. Yeah. Be be the change. And then well, uh, it's yeah. I mean, I didn't want to go super into it, but that phrase uh re- has really uh struck a nerve with me in these in these recent times because that was something that I know in my like education and Jewish education, they'd kind of prop up as like a number one, hey, you can look to other people other than Jews. And you can get like knowledge, but also it's just kind of like that, you know, sixties hippie fucking uh, aphorism that doesn't actually mean anything uh, unless you kind of take it. Well, into yeah, a... and it 
uh, into like heart. But I think it really fucking strikes a nerve that the same people who like taught me that or like will will say that or whatever are uh, in the process right now of saying how nothing can be done. Yeah, about right. the current situation and i've never been so mad at people in my life before for having a lack of imagination yeah, yeah. it's the same thing that is keeping people from wanting any sort of change in policing it's just total lack of imagination total just entirely fear-based ideology where your yeah. whole yeah your whole outlook is based on what bad things could happen instead of trying to fucking change the bad things that are happening yeah totally or i um i was thinking did you guys read the do you guys know toby hazlitt the writer Mm-mm. he's a good essay on like just kind of the last year and like the civil rights and sort of policing uprisings that have happened um and he talks about he's quoting from some other person about how someone called like you know kind of street protests and you know, and like riots he called them like magic actions basically because people at a certain point just like start to just be this different thing than what's come before them. And they're like all out doing this thing together and the kind of like making this new sort of meaning and like way of all being together and doing stuff mm-hmm. without kind of, you know, waiting for some law to change or some, you know, politician to like say the right thing. I feel like we're kind of getting at this here where it's just sort of like, you know, whether it's the institution of the Torah in Judaism or whatever else, like at a certain point you, you and the people around you can just kind of start doing something new. Yeah. And I see that happen. Like I see more and more. Yeah. But I would say that, but the counterweight to that is like, it's not all like it all can't be individual or just like people level, like the institutions matter and the people do too. But like, you know, the people are probably going to have the, are probably going to be the ones to have to move first. Yeah, I would argue that they always have to be the ones to move yeah. first. Yeah, yeah, power concedes nothing without demand and all that jazz. Yeah. But yeah, I was just going to say, like, I see it. Like, I see more and more young Jews, like, standing up for Palestinian rights and for Palestine and being unapologetic about it. And also people who, you know, when I'm an unapologetic freak on the internet about it, like, people DMing me and being like, hey, like I no, and this isn't to brag. This is, if anything, a condemnation of where of of why people feel this way. But people messaging me like, hey, like I'm glad you're saying stuff like I don't that I myself wouldn't feel comfortable saying. And it's like, yeah, I that's just a different of position. Like, I don't think these people are cowards. I think that a lot of times, like people are. I don't know. I'm not necessarily in community with people who would totally reject me for these beliefs. I mean, these people yeah. are. So, but that's all to say that, like, I don't know. It's not just the people who you see online saying free Palestine that, like, believe in that. There's people who want to say that, but they just, it's so deep wired in us that we can't. I remember two formative experiences. Number one, I've been to Israel, and I remember I was very young when I went, but I, it was like a fourth grade-ish, maybe fifth grade, sixth grade. I was a kid. Um, but I, number one, I do remember uh, that me going to Israel with my family made me not feel any connection with the land of Israel, um, which was fun. Uh like I think in particular, it was even as a kid going to the Western Wall, um, which is supposed to be for anyone who doesn't know, like a really big deal, 
because it's like the fucking wall of the second temple. And I had this moment even as a kid where I was like, and the I, plaza where it is, I might add, is on a destroyed Palestinian village. Yeah, that's um, a fun thing I learned yesterday. Of course it is. Yeah, of yeah. course. And it was the one of those country is, but <laughs> straight up. But sorry. But um, one of the things that like really s- struck me was I was like, I don't fucking know anything about this fucking second temple business, and like I don't want to. Like, who fucking cares? It's a fucking old wall. Like, I was telling you, John, like, I like old stuff. I like history. It's cool that the wall is still there. I would like it to remain there. But in terms of grounding me to a a tradition or to all these other people who, frankly, look at me and my dad with suspicion while we were there, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Right. And and so there was that, and then I think there was also the time that I feel like I've brought it up before, but maybe I haven't. It was when we were in camp, and we were having a fucking lesson with the rabbi, which was always fucking terrible. And basically, (laughs) the the rabbi was trying to make some kind of fucking point about why Israel is good and God-given and all of that shit. And was like, basically went around the table and was like, do you believe that God wants the like state of Israel to exist. And I remember it, it was when he, like were... slide you some APAC paperwork, like cool, just sign here, here and here. Well, I remember cause it was like, it was <laughs> when sign this pledge. I think it was when I was a sophomore and I had been learning about world war one. And part of what was happening during world war one was the idea of the nation state was really kind of becoming a popular thing. Uh, and it just, those two things just happened to kind of coincide. <laughs> right. And uh, God descended in 1914. Well, that's and... what I said. And I was like, wait, are you asking me if like the current borders of Israel and whatever and like it's I the identity of it as like an internationally recognized country? Is that what you're asking me if like God w- wants and wills? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't think God knows what a what a fucking nation state is because we barely do. It hasn't even been around for fucking 300 years. Right. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, part of well. part of also, I'm gonna just put if I can make it more broader. Part of what's happening in Israel slash Palestine right now is because we haven't figured out what that means. Yeah, because yeah. we don't know what nation state means. Because if it means ethnic group, then there's a lot of fucking people who need countries right now. Right, right. Or if it just yeah, or if it means people who have a certain religious belief. That yeah. they believe entitles them to do this or that. Again, it's like there would probably be more countries. And yeah, not I kind of see one. it the same way I see like a kickback. You know, it's like don't invite too many people. Like we're just kind of keeping it low key. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like. Well, I, don't know, I feel like we're kind of like circling around a conclusion about this. Well, that's the name of the game when you fucking talk <laughs> about this shit is circle. Like, yeah, it's good to call out because eventually, yes, you do just end up going in circles. Yeah. Well, oh no, I'm not saying like we're, we're not getting, I'm saying more we are, we're like arriving at a point. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just like, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like to, to for me to put it, for me to put it succinctly, it would, I would be that um, I think it's noble what, well, I don't know if it's noble. I think it's, I understand why certain Jews look to the Jewish tradition to find a source of moral authority, but the story of Exodus for me is never going to be that source. It is the story of people who didn't even necessarily want an extremely powerful ally who rained death and violence against the enemies of that extremely powerful ally and then decided to give to use all that power to like take more stuff from more people and promise it to them and say that they are the only people who deserved it. 
which to me is like no way to base nothing to base your morals on i would agree and i just thought of like three alternate history things of like how you could compare it and i don't want to say any of them because they're all horrifying um yeah well i want to maybe can i just hear one? Oh, I was, okay, <laughs> okay, sure. on, I'm on. Really curious. like okay like imagine if the the united states and russia teamed up together um and basically said like hey kurds like i know you haven't had your own country for a long time but guess what we'll nuke turkey and we'll nuke all of the surrounding neighbors and it's actually going to be your job to move yourselves into all of those places and you have to take everyone's stuff and make sure that nobody ever remembers that those people were there and that's yeah, what like, that's what your state will be yeah yeah where it's right. just kind of like probably the vast majority of people would be like oh we don't want that we just want our own homes Sure, and it's not really homes. a model you can carry over from place to place. Like, it kind of can only work Unsustainable. in... Unsustainable. Yes. Yeah. Um, That's how I feel about Exodus. <laughs> unsustainable. <laughs> unsustainable. <laughs> Unsustainably. Um, I would say, yeah, overall, my feelings of Exodus are, um, are dark, largely negative. Um, I would like to just shout out all the guests we've had on here because it was a fun ride with yeah. them. Yeah. Um, Shout out to let's see, Aviva Siegel, Matt Lieb, uh, Geneva, Geneva Rastorta, Orion Levine, Ben Wasserman. Yeah, like thank you for joining us, and like there were some real moments of levity, and that was real fun. But overall, on a retrospective of what this fucking book is trying to say, it's um, it's it, you won't find much darker. Well, I mean, we have three more chapters, so let's hold our tongues, but... That's true. He, we have three more chapters? Oh, three more books, yeah. Three more books, yeah. yeah. No, I no, no like, not three um, more, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I meant I book referring to Exodus. Yeah. I can see why it's confusing. It might be confusing on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I can't... I can't remember which of the two of you said this, but... And it was kind of you saying it as a joke, but I, I kind of believe it that, like, the most meaningful thing we, I found in Exodus was, like, the friend's... The friends along the way. <laughs> Truly. Seriously. Like, I mean, it's like the, I don't know, the, the lesson isn't worth much to me, but the, like the struggling with it and just like hanging out and, you know, meeting people, talking about things, trying to figure out what it means to be a good person in the world. Like that means far more to me. Yeah. Then whatever the fuck this <laughs> pile of dog shit they laid <laughs> on us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Should we pray? Um, we can, yeah. That's I always say that. I always what I mean is, should we be blessed by Josh? I feel like I always get oh. triggered by that because I used to work at a radio station when they did that. <laughs> let, <laughs> they us say, let us pray. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I like the use of the word "let us." It's like, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not letting you today. <laughs> I don't wanna. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> mine is gonna be a simple one, which is that uh, I. Uh, I hope that we can all be good to each other, which is much harder in practice than it is to say. Um, and it's really a lifelong, history-long endeavor to try and do the right thing, but we should try to do it anyway. Mwah. I agree. Uh, Bravissimo. Yeah, I guess at, at that point... And, and, and like and subscribe to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> five stars, are, great review. Those are my two things I, I really am praying for right now. Um, and I, I guess, you know, for... I don't know if I really want to open that up, but um, for Jews who feel, you know, or not Jews, just anyone who feels conflicted about how they feel about everything, like, just talk, talk to people, but make sure you talk to a lot of people. 
the yes. um, talk to people who are, you know, it might be a little hard with the current situation with the fucking electricity in Gaza. It's probably pretty hard to talk to anyone in Gaza, but maybe talk to, you probably have Palestinian American friends and you don't know it. Um, you have members of, of the Jewish and Palestinian community all fucking around you in- Talk to a book. It's like talking to someone who's not even with you. Yeah, read some shit. Like, just fucking do that stuff. And, uh, you know, donate. If you have, you know, there's a lot of great Palestinian causes you can donate to. Yeah, there's. And um, if you want to, you know, donate to Israel, just make sure to pay your taxes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like, remember we were talking last time about the Smite Me Commandments? Yes. My, one of, I think I would like to add a Smite Me Commandment that's like a direct. A direct counter commandment to one of the ones in this one which is like multiculturalism is good talk to other people learn about their cultures like don't destroy their shit yes uh you should try and understand them don't fucking destroy them as a matter without of multiculturalism you don't get fucking scattered brain people like me for the and record for the record i'm half japanese for anyone who didn't know <laughs> and and who wouldn't want fucking ayani in the world so come on now there's a list of three people who i'm pretty sure don't is one of them your um, evil twin, Miami Hayashi? No, we <laughs> we don't get along, but we accept each other. <laughs> there, there's a truce. Maybe we're an it's example. It's complicated. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, just if it, you know, for all anyone out there who who has people who you know who are defending uh, crazy bad shit or even fascists or whatever, punch them in the dick. Yeah. You really, I guess that's my final thing is you, you don't have to be a super well-read expert to speak out if you, and I'm not just talking about Israel-Palestine, I mean, I am, but just in general, if you know in your heart something is fucking wrong, you can tell that evil is being done. Like, don't let people tell you that you're not allowed to have an opinion on it because you don't have a fucking PhD. That's stupid. It's fucking garbage. It's, um, yeah, like, uh, I think that's the thing that really, really gets me about the whole thing is it's not hard to see what is happening. Um, and it's very, 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 and it, if you say that what is bad or if what is happening is bad, you're not, you're, as someone who is Jewish, for example, I understand that you're not saying that all anyone who is Jewish is therefore bad because the people who believe that make it really fucking clear that they believe that actually. Yeah. All right. We should probably close this up before we start talking about how many people like hate the Jews, but love Israel. Cause that's all another <laughs> bag Ooh, of worms. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. I feel like we can talk about that another podcast. time. Yeah, definitely. With, um, with actually people who are more versed in that than, than us. Yeah. So thanks for sticking with us for Genesis and Exodus. Um, Keep, stay tuned for whatever the next one is. Yeah. We're probably going to talk about a movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. We might have some kind of in between seasons, some fun bonus episodes, uh, and then we'll get right back into the into the glorious ride. Everyone deserves a break, including us. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We love you. Stay saucy. Yeah. Thanks for listening. You salty animals. <laughs>